Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to A Soundtrack Odyssey with me, your Master of Ceremonies, Stephanie Joy Hubbard. This is a podcast where I ask the very important question, in the movie of your life, what would the soundtrack be? I'll be asking my guests to journey through time and space, choosing the perfect song for each of the main scenes from their life. Everything from the opening credits all the way to their imagined fantasy death scene. By the end of each episode, will have created the official soundtrack album to each guest's life. And you can listen to each album via the link in the description. I'm a sometimes DJ and an always lover of music and film. So I'm interested in putting a spotlight on some interesting people and finding out what they'll choose as the key songs for poignant moments in their lives as a way to discover more about them, their life, their relationship with music and film and just what makes them tick. Often, the songs or the score in a film are the supporting actors. They really add to what makes the scene or the film truly iconic and memorable. And I often think to myself, if this song wasn't here now, the power of this scene would be diminished. For example, the headbanging scene uh, to Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen in Wayne's World or Iggy Pop's lust for life in the first scene of Trainspotting, when Ewan McGregor and Spud are legging it down Princess Street in Edinburgh after shoplifting. Or Kate Bush's running up that hill in season four of Stranger Things, when Max uses the song as a weapon against Vecna. So let's celebrate the art and power of music in film and TV and crack on with this episode. Today I have the pleasure of talking to a multi-talented musician, writer, composer and podcast host, Todd Jordan. Todd is super interesting to me because his creative output is just like embarrassingly impressive. He's a self-confessed horror guy, so his composition work is mainly for horror film genre. He's created soundscapes and compositions for many a brilliant horror film and even supported legendary horror filmmaker and composer John Carpenter. Todd also has a podcast called The Bitter End, where he and his co-host Tom watch every single release from big film franchises to The Bitter End, like all 12 of the Friday the 13th film series. Yeah, there's 12, not 13, can't quite get over that. And they dissect the successes and failures of these franchises. I wanted to get Todd on the podcast because I've seen various iterations of his musical output. Firstly, I saw a band that he was in called Archimago, where his frontman persona was an Italian horror composer singing entirely in Italian. The music was orchestral, but noisy as hell, building up a wall of oppressive sound that was altogether haunting. And he was like roaming around the audience in some sort of terrifying mask. And more recently, his latest venture, Radspurts, where he built an algorithm that does unpredictable, nasty things to his guitar as he plays it. So he has to improvise along with the code while it sabotages him. I mean, what the fuck? How stressful, (laughs) yet how cool. So he is a guy who's clearly passionate about experimentation in music and film. And I can't wait to find out more about him and his journey through life and music. Welcome, Todd. Hi, Stephanie. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for being the first guest on A Soundtrack Odyssey. 
Thank you for having me. I'm excited to begin my odyssey. And welcome to the director's chair of the film of your life. It's very comfortable. Are you excited to get started and choose the soundtrack that's going to make this awesome film? I really, really am, yeah, because <laughs> uh, I love films, I love soundtracks, and most importantly, I love lists. Anytime I can put anything in a list, I, I like the things so much better when I'm able to, to rank them, list them, and more importantly, exclude other things from that list, the things that do not get to be on my list. Do you feel like this soundtrack is the perfect soundtrack to your life? You've already chosen the tracks, I've listened to them. Well, yeah, okay. So it's, it's definitely, uh, I worked really hard on this, probably way harder than I should have. I put like an awful lot of time into uh, sweating it out and choosing the tracks and making my goddamn list. Um, so I do think it is the most fitting soundtrack for the movie of my life. I do not necessarily feel like my life would make a good movie. Um, it's not been the most dramatic life, but for the criteria I was given and the scenes that I have lived for my sins, <laughs> these are the songs that will, that will score them. Excellent. Well, I'm gonna start off with three quickfire questions that I ask all of my guests. Oh my God. And you have to just answer them without thinking. Okay. So number one. What is your all-time favourite movie or TV soundtrack? That is uh, probably Goblin's soundtrack for the original 1977 Suspiria, Dario Argento's Giallo epic. I would not have expected anything less from you. That is an absolute banger. That band are amazing. Yeah, um, it's so good. Like the, I don't know, I, I, I listen to it all of the time. Um, it's... It, it's so, so much so that you forget how kind of unbelievably bleak and terrifying the second half of it is, just because the first half is just super mm. catchy while also being really eerie. Um, it's, it's, it's a winner. It's, it's top-notch. I, I also would like to do an honourable mention for the Suspiria remake uh, with the soundtrack by Tom York, a man whose music I do not normally particularly enjoy, but his, his music for the second version of Suspiria is just a chef's kiss, Mr York. I think you've got a big future in music. Good to know. Yeah, it's a beautiful film, so cinematic. The, the lighting in it really gets me every time I watch it. Yeah. That opening scene with, with her coming out of the airport, it's just wonderful. Mega. So yeah, I, I, I love that soundtrack also, so I'm really pleased you picked that. Second quickfire question. Okay. What would the film of your life be called? Uh, oh my God, okay. Um, the film of my life would be called... Okay, it would be called... This is a dog talking now. Oh, excellent. Which okay. Is a line from one of the songs that I've picked. I'm not even particularly a dog guy. Okay, third question. What is your villain song? What song would you make your evil entrance to? Oh, holy shit. Um, can it just literally be that that little tune that just goes da 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 da? Yes. Da 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 da. That one. Completely. Okay, that's of what I'm course. picking. Cuz well, there's very little that's more evil than that. No. Well, the Godzilla one. Oh, shit! Okay, well, see, so you, you've had a lot longer to think about this question than me. Well, my, my, villain, my villain entrance is um, Pharaoh Monk. Simon Says. Okay. It's like, and that you, it uses the sample from the 60s Godzilla. Oh, yes, and it's right. it's so evil. Bum, bum, like, bum, bum. Yeah, that one. exactly. And it's like, get the fuck up. Bum, 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 bum. Exactly. Yeah, okay. That's, that's <laughs> such a, a much better choice than just someone tinkling on a piano, like in a... See, in my head, it was like a, like in a Western or something, like when you come in and someone's just sort of tinkling away and then they stop. Nice. Okay, so your, your villain would come through the swing doors in a saloon. Yeah, it's more like the music stops rather than, you know... Nice. I sort of embrace the awkward silence so you can hear 
the pin drop. That's what, that's what I would want. Okay, let's move on to the actual official soundtrack to your life then. First song that I asked you to choose is the opening credits. So what is setting the tone for the film of your life? It could be, I briefed you and said, it could be your favorite song. It could be just something that tonally you think is absolutely right for the proceedings. So what did you choose, Todd? Um, thanks, Steph. So look, I, I thought really, really long and hard about this. And the opening credits was like a really interesting one for me because it doesn't have to actually set a particular scene. It can just be like when all the people's names are, are whizzing along or whatever. And I was thinking of some of the great like op movie opening titles of all time. And for some reason I kept thinking a lot about Seven, the David Fincher movie Seven. Um, <laughs> which has a great opening titles where it's, it's just basically a music video and there's just some sort of just some shit happening on screen and everybody's names and there's some like classic like scary music um so uh in my head there would just be some shit happening on the screen people's names coming up uh but then i just want my the story of my life is not a scary one i like scary stuff but like i'm not a scary guy so i just i, I want something that's going to hopefully promise a little bit of what's to come and be like quite engaging and interesting and fist pumping and um so i've picked uh, a song by my favorite band uh, oneida um called the adversary from their album happy new year and it's encompassed in this song is uh, really a lot of the like the themes and the and the ideas and stuff that's gonna uh, the more i think about music and the more i think about the kinds of things that appeal to me a lot of that can really find its germ in this track it is um both indulgent and restrained at the same time. So they do an awful, awful lot with just one or two ideas. Um, a guy I used to know used to make fun of me for liking Oneida by saying that they were called Oneida because they have one idea. Um, <laughs> it's not a very funny joke, mate. And also, there's no band in the world with more ideas than Oneida. They just only use one at a time. Yes. Um, and that's the thing. And it's just got that incredible piece of drumming, that marching beat, that single note uh, on the on the riff. Um, and then uh, when it when it comes in with the big three chord release, it's like it's it's in some ways when when I first heard it, it's like a parody of a rock song because it's just so simple. This like almost obvious like three chord release, but it just makes you feel so amazing. And it, it never stops and it never um, strays into the realm of of like widdly noodly widdly noodly noodly widdly you know widdly noodly uh, which ruins everything so um to the point that the guitar solo that comes towards the end of the song is one note that just gets louder and louder and louder and louder until it is quite frankly too loud and then it really really slowly fades away again and that moment just fills me with so much joy and so much bliss that um when i listen to it it's just like settling into a good chair in a cinema in like an air-conditioned room uh, and I'm excited. It makes me excited for what's going to happen next. Well, what an answer. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't heard this song before you sent it to me. And I absolutely love it. I've gone through this band's back catalogue like crazy this week. This song sounds like the start of something. Mm. So as soon as it kicked in, I knew exactly why you'd chosen it. It's that repetitiveness and um, it's kind of everything that I like about music as well. So, yeah. Thank you for choosing that. It's a great, great song. Oh, I'm very pleased. I mean, I've got to tell you, Oneida is my favourite band, and there was an earlier version of this playlist that was entirely Oneida songs. So <laughs> you're you're lucky that I've been reasonably restrained with my choices. I'll, I'll say reasonably, not been entirely <laughs> restrained. 
Okay, moving on. Act one, which is coming of age. Usually in a film of a, someone's life, you see their early years, don't you? So what I asked you to do is to bring a song to the table that reminds you of your early years, your school days, your teenage gang, your long summer holidays, whatever. Or maybe it's the first band that you ever loved or first artist that made you get into music. So act one, coming of age, what is your song? Well, I'm glad you asked Stephanie Hubbard. Picture this, close your mind, uh, your mind's eye uh, and, well, open your, close your, close your body's eyes, open your <laughs> mind's eye and let me paint for you a word picture. You are a small boy, you're maybe about six years old, you're growing up in Brighton in Sussex and you are being driven around in the back of your parents' car. Your parents, Stephanie Hubbard, only own one cassette tape and it is a cassette tape of Frank Zappa's solo album Apostrophe. Um, which is playing on literally every car journey you will ever have until the tape gets chewed up probably at some point. Um, so it is absolutely without a doubt the first album you ever hear. Um, and it's uh, for the longest time the first album, the only album that you just know really inside and out. And Apostrophe is a great album for kids because it mm. is silly, it is anarchic, it is very cinematic in a lot of the sounds and a lot of the arrangements that he was using, the percussion, all of the overdubs. Um, and he's just a really funny, weird storyteller. And the track I chose is the last track from Apostrophe, which is called Stinkfoot. Um, another excellent choice, especially if you're a kid, it's a song about uh, a man who has um, stinky feet and then his girlfriend leaves because it's so bad. So instead, he uh, to try and get it, get her back, he gets the dog to lick his feet clean. And then him and the dog have a philosophical conversation about um, a concept called uh, uh, conceptual continuity, um, which is something that Frank Zappa expressed in all of his work, where he tried to make sure that every piece of work he produced had some small reference to at least one previous work he had produced. So there is a through line uh -huh. all the way through. Um, and it's, you kind of have this like treasure hunt, this, this breadcrumby thing of trying to figure out. And sometimes it's just something on the album cover. Sometimes it's a, a little thing in the lyrics or a riff from somewhere else. Um, and it seems like the dog kind of explains this concept back to him by talking about dog biscuits and then they leave and that's it. Um, it's a great song. Uh, did you like it? Oh, I love it. I love Frank Zappa. Yeah, absolutely loved it. It's 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 him at his most off the wall, I think. But, but still the music is so bloody good and like tuneful and it's like funky. And I can see how as a child, you'd really love that. Well, yeah, it really um, drilled a, a lot of fun stuff into me, I think, just hearing it over and over again. The whole album really, but this song in particular. Um, Number one is just like um, about storytelling, I think, um, about how the song is absolutely without a doubt a load of nonsense. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it starts with like a whole riff where he's claiming that he's going to take you to a, to a museum where they keep imaginary diseases so that one they can get a disease that's just right for you. And so then the story that follows is him trying to sell you on the idea of why don't you get stink foot? Um, this might improve your life. And then he tells a horrible story about how a man with stick foot got left alone. And then the dog starts to tell this own story back to him, which is when he's, it's just this incredible moment where he's like singing the, singing the words and talking you through it. And then he's like, yeah, listen, once upon a time, somebody said to me, oh, by the way, this is a dog talking now. It's like absolutely yeah. important <laughs> that he wants you to know that it's a dog talking now. Um, so he's constantly undermining the story that he's telling you, making mm. you, letting you know that it's just all bollocks and it's all fun. Um, and he's just building this really, uh, 
evocative world. And what what else are movies for, I think, than like creating worlds that you can dive into? Um, and um, my life would not make a particularly interesting movie, um, but the, I want to create a world that would be. Um, that mm. would be an interesting one. And I want to I wanna dive into that and I want to bring people into it. And I think even then as a kid, just sort of dreaming and listening to these songs all the time, that was what I wanted to do, was what Frank Zappa was doing, was build this sort of fun, imaginative, anarchic, crazy world that you could kind of... The song ends, but it's like I can still think of what's going on in Apostrophe World where he is. And the second thing, gnarly riffs. Gnarly riffs. Dude 100%. shreds hard. Dude sh- absolutely shreds hard on the plank. Um, Do you think that if, if Frank Zappa was the first, Apostrophe was the first album you ever heard, mm. a lot of your work is... is is storytelling a lot of what you do the music that you make for horror there's no lyrics a lot of the time but you're telling a story and you can quite clearly get that from your work and a lot of the creative outputs that you have is about storytelling and we've chatted in the past about our love for storytelling so do you think that do you think that the album sort of is that where it started for you i i mean i don't want to be too much of a wank bag but like it's it, it certainly if nothing else it was uh, it helped me understand the fun of lying how mm. fun it is to tell a harmless lie mm. um particularly when you're telling a lie to someone and they know you're lying yeah but they let you because <laughs> it's fun uh so uh, act two is all about first love so what i wanted to know from you is what song reminds you of your first love who or what was your very first love uh, it could be a person, could be something else. But what reminds you of the time when you realised that you'd just had you'd fallen head over heels for something or someone? Uh, yeah, this is a, a it was a tricky one for me. I put a lot of thought into it again. I went through a long list of all my old mixtapes and things like that. And the song I arrived on is r- perhaps rather unromantically titled "Sex Automata" <laughs> by uh, X Models. <laughs> Absolute um, banger. Well, huge, huge banger. Huge and, ripper. Uh, yeah, and the, the the first love that it refers to is um, fucking shredding it on the axe, to be honest. Lovely. Um, just how much fun it is to be in that band and just whack out these cubist slabs of noise and bark nonsense. Um, but more <laughs> specifically as well, in terms of first loves, um, the the the... My lead vocalist and guitarist of X Models was a guy called... Sh- it was? Is. He's, the guy still exists, the band doesn't. Um, is a guy called Shaheen Matia, who uh, is now um, one of the guitarists in Onega and played on that opening track from the opening credits. So this is an element of my conceptual continuity that I'm borrowing from Frank Zappa here. I'm trying to get a through line as much as I can. Um, and what had happened was um, I had moved to uni. I was in London. I wasn't really vibing with the city that much. I don't love London particularly. Um, I had a good time at uni, but like I was happy to leave the city when I was done. And one night I got grudgingly persuaded to go to the Buffalo Bar and see a band called X Models who uh, nobody had really heard of, but it was just, we were going to the Buffalo Bar. And my head exploded Stephanie uh it had to be surgically reconstructed afterwards the gig was just (laughs) so unbelievable and what it was was just these four dudes um 
all, all I can say is that I got the impression that the gig would have happened exactly the same if the doors hadn't even even opened. Mm. It was just like, that's what those guys would have been doing. And we were just lucky to be like invited in or we just sort of wandered in and they barely knew that we were there. And they were so intently into it. They were whacking their guitars with drumsticks. They were screaming and yelping. There was a 10 minute one note bass solo partway through. Um, it just blew my mind and it became absolutely everything that I wanted to do. Uh, one with one with my very low ambitions of being sort of nineteen years old or whatever it was all I wanted to do was just fucking shred noise and be in a gang like that that had built our own world with our own rules where we could just you didn't need choruses you didn't need you didn't need to be able to play although they could actually play but they made it sound as if they didn't mm. oh amazing mm. love that for your first love gorgeous and then crucially years later. Uh, that song was included on a, one of the first mixtapes I made for the lady that would eventually become my wife. Um, I, I wanted it to be the first track uh, on the first mixtape I made. This her. is what to expect, Carla. Yeah, <laughs> but I, 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 I would not dare literally make a song called Sex Automata the first song on our first romantic mixtape. So I think I did a Velvet Underground song and then got that out of the way and then it was Sex Automata immediately afterwards. That's where the compilation really begins. So act three. Yes moment of conflict or despair. So in the classic hero's journey that we see from, you know, in everything from Disney to, uh, you know, Euphoria, the television show, they all have moments of conflict or despair so that they can bring you back up again in the sort of latter half of the film or the show. So act three, I wanted you to give me a song that could have helped you through dark times or a song that you would want to accompany your darkest hour or just like your favourite sad song. So, so Todd, uh, what is your moment of conflict or despair song, please? The song I picked, this is the most recently released song out of any of the ones on the list. Um, I think it came out a year ago, maybe a bit, a bit more than that. Um, this is Pennsylvania Furnace by Lingua Ignota. Um, and uh, you know me, Steph, I'm a man of extremes. You tasked me with finding a sad song. I genuinely think this is probably the saddest song I've ever heard in my entire life. I agree. It's absolutely devastating. It is devastating. Beautiful. Um, incredible. And uh, her voice, the arrangement, um, how it all flows, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. But there's a, a few different reasons that I chose it, other than just I desperately wanted to see if I could make you cry. Um, but um, part of it is, again, just this world that she builds, uh, Lingua Ignota, that, that whole album, Sinner Get Ready, is really, really worth a listen. And it is noisy and it is terrifying and it is somber and it is um, spiritual and it's all of these wonderful things. But again, she crafts this uh, incredible space, much like Zappa did, much like uh, X Models did, where just the album ends, but I can kind of still... There's, there's blurry edges that I feel like I can still explore and walk around and it's like a, you know, it's like a, a haunted house, that mm. album. Um, but most of all is, I, I don't really get angry very much, but I do get sad. And um, this song really works for me because, at, because no matter how sad I am, I can put that song on and no matter how sad I am, she is sadder. The, just the, the despair that, that, that she's channeling and, you know, I've listened to the lyrics. As far as I can tell, there's that refrain of, uh, she says, me and the dogs, we'll, we die together. Um, there's, there's there's a Pennsylvania legend where she's from about like a cruel um, 
a mill master or, or something who like whipped his dogs so bad they died and then the dogs come back as hellhounds and drag him to hell. Um, so Doggy's the, revenge. I know. <laughs> but then as the lyrics go on, it becomes this almost more um, enticing, um, I don't know, this, this faint allure of being in that state and how it can kind of be you wallow in despair and you wallow in in sadness and you wallow in pain and and as the song goes on it becomes less about her trying to lift herself out of it and more about her enticing other people to join her into in that space mm. so it starts so incredibly sad but then it it stops being lonely and it becomes this sort of angry triumphant um sort of swelling uh, where you're in it with her and there's other people in there with you as well. And, um, you know, there's a, another line. One, uh, one thing I've learned is that everything burns. And you're like, mm. yes, yes, Lingua Ignoto, burn it, burn them all, <laughs> burn them all. And then it like settles back down again. And it starts with literally just the exact same point that it started with. But now it's calm and now it's peaceful. Mm. And um, me and the dogs are going to die together. Uh, even if the dog's talking to me about conceptual continuity because I made it lick my, lick my stinky feet clean. Um, For a guy that doesn't like dogs very much, there's a lot of dog iconography in this playlist, isn't there? Absolutely. It's, it's, they're getting their revenge on me. <laughs> um, but yeah, what a what a, a stunning piece. So, um, you know, I've, I've, I recently went on a trip away by myself to like, you know... You know, just get in touch with with my wanky self. And um, where were you? I was in Margate. Right. Uh, I was wandering around Margate like some sort of Parisian vampire, but with fish and chips. Cool. Um, <laughs> and I was just sort of lonely wandering around, listening to this. And the album's amazing, but don't do that. Don't, no. Don't do what I did. Don't be sad in Margate. No. Throw up on the rides instead. Yeah, I, I would have been better off listening to Zappa, I think, than this. <laughs> but but everybody should should one hundred percent listen to this album. It's incredible. Yes, I hadn't come across her, actually, uh, before you sent me this playlist. And um, wow, like her voice is so haunting and beautiful. And the way that this song builds from what I thought was going to be a love song, a sad love song. And then it really surprised me with the lyrics. And mm. yeah, like you, I love that uh, let's all burn in hell together line. Mm. It's perfect. So act four Let's bring it up. Let's bring it the hell back up. Uh, act four is all about enlightenment or a moment of euphoria. So I asked you um, to pick a song for that moment in the film when you realise something really profound or something that's playing when everything becomes clear to you um, or you have that moment of realisation and euphoria. So maybe it's a song when you feel really free or you lose control dancing or you have a moment to yourself when you're totally lost in music. So, so Todd, what is your enlightenment or moment of euphoria song, please? Feels a bit jarring going from Lingua Ignota's Pennsylvania Furnace into a, a song which I love, but that kind of sounds like the theme from a kid's TV show <laughs> uh, when it kicks in. But what I've picked is um, a, a pretty, probably the most well-known song on this list, maybe other than the Zappa. It's a song called Daylight by Matt and Kim. Um, so, uh, a few years ago, um, quite a few years ago, I was uh, having a miserable time in Reykjavik. Um, I was I was there in Reykjavik, and I was I was doing that same thing that I had done in Margate, where I, uh, but without the fish and chips, where I was sort of wandering around, 
wandering the streets at night and it was so cold and it was so chilly and I wouldn't have been listening to Lingua Ignota because that album hadn't been released yet but I was definitely listening to something really sad. I think it was Scott Walker probably, who I, I love as well, but I was, I was having a miserable time by myself, sort of being bleak in the windswept wastes. And um, the album ended and my old school iPod that I had at the time shuffled onto this song, uh, this Matt and Kim song. Trying to save your life, Daylight. wasn't it? It was trying to save your well, life. Well, it was definitely... It was worried about you. It was definitely <laughs> a musical intervention. And um, the, thing, the thing is that... Um, you know, I, I like to be alone and I, I, I really get a lot of value out of my time alone. And I, uh, especially when I was younger, I used to sort of feel quite, quite sorry for people that, that didn't like their own company and that needed other people around them all the time. And I think probably too much I prided myself and still do maybe on, um, oh, I, I've, I can be alone for weeks at a time. I love it. As you know, nobody, no, I don't need anyone else but me. I'm building my own crazy world and I'm doing my projects and I'm doing my music and I'm doing my writing and I'm doing all of this stuff and I'm, it's just me and my fictional world that I've built all by myself and all my mad little characters. And <laughs> the thing is that that's bollocks. <laughs> that is absolute bollocks because what I need is that gang when I went wandered into the Buffalo bar and ex-models were playing and they built this sort of no rules world like all of them together that is what I need and when Matt and Kim came on not only was it happy it was uh so if, if you don't know Matt and Kim are a couple um uh, Matt plays keyboards and sings and Kim plays drums um my now uh, now wife is also a drummer, and um, we're in a band together with another person as well. But bleh. Um, <laughs> for the sake of this, yeah, uh, he's lovely. They don't exist. He's lovely. <laughs> he's absolutely lovely too. But he doesn't get in on my euphoric moment right here. Um, and that song came on, and it is a song about how it's as much as all the other songs I've chosen. It's a song about these like solipsistic worlds that sort of draw you in like like getting invited to wallow in that sadness or like the the craziness of zappa or the the sort of the just the fist pumping chaos of being an ex-models but it's him and her together and it's a song about how they uh they don't need ice skates because they can just got they've got shoes and they're going to cut the legs off of their trousers and they're just going to go hitchhiking together and it, nothing matters and they're going to unplug the clocks and in a way it's, it's kind of a self-destructive idea as every sort of metaphor for how free they are involves him destroying something um and uh, you know they're unplugging things they're shutting the world out but it's just the two of them um making music together with with her playing the drums and that is what me and my wife do. And um, that moment for me, uh, wandering the streets of, of Reykjavik, really was this genuine sort of moment of, of realisation of like, oh, I've got it so wrong. Like the stuff that I love doing is fun and I love doing it, but it is so much better when I can do it with other people as well and draw them in and they come with their own made up worlds that I get to explore and, 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 and share. And so that very much for me was a moment of like, Oh, I think I want to marry her. Aww. Um, and it did end up becoming our first dance at our wedding. Oh, really? It Amazing. Was. That I love. I love the reading that you have or of that song because uh, when I listened to it, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is so happy. Like it's it's relentlessly happy." Um, but the way that you've interpreted it is exactly the reason why I wanted to start this podcast actually because we just we all have our inner worlds and different songs melodies lyrics we all interpret them completely differently so we're all going to choose something totally different for our, the soundtrack to our life so yeah thank you for that answer that was that was that was perfect oh. 
So from that to act five, which sadly is the death scene. So this could be the track that plays over your imaginary death scene, however that may play out, it's your film. Or it could be the song that you want playing at your funeral. So Todd, uh, act five, death song, what is it? So I mentioned that my wife and I are in a band. There is a third guy in our band um, called Richard. Me and him have a pact that whichever one dies first, the other has to make sure that the correct song gets played at their funeral. Um, so I know his, which is a Sonic Youth song called Shadow of a Doubt. It's a gnarly, uh, gnarly Sonic Youth song. I can't really Great listen song. to it now without picturing his <laughs> lifeless corpse. Um, it's fine. It's what he would have wanted. Um, but uh, he knows he knows mine. Um, so... Uh, I suppose before I share the song, I'll talk a little bit about my death. What, what I thought would happen is, you know when there's like two skyscrapers and there's like connected by a tunnel up uh -huh. in there? So that's called a sky bridge, right? I'm obsessed with sky bridges. They're so cool. So in my head, I'll be like on one end of a sky bridge and the other building on the other side, that's partially fallen down, right? So the whole thing's tilting and there's like smoke and maybe some red lights flashing and sirens and I'm kind of covered in blood and my shirt's ripped and I'll see my nemesis and I'll go, you son of a bitch. And he'll go, <laughs> I always knew it would come to this. And then we've both got just knives. No guns. I don't want guns in my film. But we've got mm. knives. And we're going to throw them at each other. Um, and uh, what's going to happen is uh, I, I try and do like a cool thing where I like flip my, my knife. You can't see on the podcast. But I like flip my knife up like it's a coin. And kind of flip it up by the tip of the blade. And then catch the handle. And when I do that, it, I throw it too hard. And it shoots off the top of the skybridge uh, roof. And then down straight down my throat. And uh, all the way down my throat in one go, and then just like stabs me in the butt from the inside out. <laughs> if I don't die like that, I'm going to be disappointed. It's, that's everything that I need. Um, so that's happened. It's many years in the future. Everyone's gathered together, be like, oh, the, you know, the funeral director did a good job on his butt. You can hardly tell. Could they remove <laughs> the knife? No, they couldn't. They couldn't, sadly. It's still, still in there. there. Yeah. And then my nemesis turns up, and everyone is like, you son of a bitch. What? But he's like, he always was the best of us, or something like that. And he like <laughs> pours some whiskey on the coffin, something like that, you know. Fantastic. And they're all like, "He was a good guy after all, a worthy adversary." Um, <laughs> and then the song that's put on by my bandmate Rich, who sort of shuffles over on his Zimmer frame and presses play, is a song by Tom Waits, um, the the greatest fantasist and world builder of them all. Uh, a song called "You Can Never Hold Back Spring." Um, I mean. Who makes up a made-up world better than Tom Waits? He's lived 70-odd years in the body of a 70-year-old man. Um, he got his start supporting Frank Zappa because they both had the same uh, uh, the same manager. So um, I've got my conceptual continuity going on still. Um, but even then, he sounded like he was 70, even though he was 19. And this song is everything that a funeral song should be. It's short. Mm -hmm. um, which I like only because when some, sadly, I've, you know, I've been to some funerals and when you go and there's someone's song, they almost never play the whole thing. They play like a bit of it and then slowly fade it down because people can't sort of sit there to listen to the whole entire song. This is like super duper short so people can have the whole thing. And it's uh, a song about how, look, it's, it's sad now. That sucks. I know you all miss Todd. It's a shame that he swallowed that knife and stabbed himself in the butt from the inside out. <laughs> but as the song goes on, it's like, but it's fine because spring's coming. It's all right. You, you, you know, you don't get spring without the winter. And um, just those last sort of 30 seconds where he hits those big triumphant chords with his like sandpaper voice. And he's like, 
um, just absolutely shreds me. And if there's a dry eye in the house, then I'm going to be livid. You've done your death wrong. Yeah, right. I mean, everybody loves Tom Waits, obviously, and this is not maybe his most well-known track. It's from the triple album of all the sort of rarities and odd stuff. Um, but yeah, did you? What did you think, Steph? It's beautiful. I love Tom Waits. Um, hadn't heard this song before because it's on an album. I mean, who? Who has the time to listen to every single Tom Waits album? Have you? At the start of lockdown, I worked my way through did all of you? them. Okay, of course, I mean, of course you did. <laughs> but I'm, I've been into, yeah, I, I got this one when it first came out for Christmas. Um, uh, uh, and it sort of became a, quite a synonymous sort of Christmas album in my mind. There's something quite festive about Tom Waits anyway. There but... really is. You imagine sitting in a, a dive bar in New York and it's snowing outside. Mm. That, is, that is where my mind, and it's, a black, it's been black and white, even yeah. though I'm there. <laughs> of course. Okay, so now we are moving on to the closing credits, the last song of your film. So as the credits roll and so do the tears, maybe they're still going from the, you know, the knife in your butt. Yeah. What song is playing as the audience applauds and contemplates how fucking beautiful that film was? Um, so, again, you're, you're lucky that the whole playlist wasn't this song. Um, there was genuinely a version that, that was just this song multiple times over. Uh, it, it's the f As soon as you asked me to be on this podcast, this was the only song that I was 100% certain I had to include. Um, talking about conceptual continuity, it is the second appearance from Oneida, the band that, that brought us in with the opening credits, um, uh, and that sort of threaded through throughout. Um, and it is a song that they're sort of reasonably infamous for called Sheets of Easter. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that you've started with this band and you're ending with this band. The circularity is so pleasing and I absolutely love it. And yeah, wow, okay, so this song is 15 minutes it's, long? It's just shy of 15 minutes. It's two notes. Yeah. Um, it is uh, one line, um, which is, you've got to look into the light, 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 light. Um, and to this day, uh, Rich from my band will occasionally just, one of us will text, you've got to look into the, and then we'll spend <laughs> about an hour just texting the word light back and forth to each other. That's quite fun. Um, this song, musically speaking, so again, the credits are rolling, it's just black with like white writing, loads of people's names, and I just want everybody to be sat in this moment uh, of this song, which is, um, uh, it's, it's excessive. Uh, it's excessive mm. and, and um, exploring an idea to the point of extremes. It is two notes for 15 minutes. Um, and, uh, but it is also, it just shows such incredible restraint on their part, partly just for the, the martial art of performing the song, which I've seen them do live and is unbelievable it's like getting a colonic and a massage at the same time <laughs> just pummels you um but also the uh the creative restraint of just going because you know that at some point in that room one of them is going to go all right 10 minutes in time for the solo yeah and so i'll just really start like wailing and shredding and turn on the wild pedal and the all of that they don't Mm. They don't dick about. They're like, no, no, no. You've got to look into the light until it fucking blinds you. <laughs> and they just hit this idea. And um, the longer it goes on, the more ecstatic and joyful it becomes. And it just blanks everything else out. And it's everything that I love about music. It's it's world building with such minimal effort. So, so few elements. But I just feel like I could dive into it infinitely. Um, mm. 
in one of my earlier bands, I went on um, on quite a long tour. It was the longest time I'd been apart from uh, from my partner um, since we got together. So that was our first sort of big, big time apart. I went to the States for a while with the band. And while I was there, I bought this CD because um, I already loved Oneida. And I knew, I'd heard a lot of talk about Sheets of Easter and how it was an infamous song. It's the first track on that album. Mm. Um, so I got home, I was incredibly jet-lagged, like jet-lagged beyond belief because I hadn't just flown back from the States, but the we hadn't slept the night before because we'd been driving from uh, one city to the airport so that we could blah. It, it went on for hours. So I'd basically been up for two and a half days. When I got back, it was the middle of the, the day UK time. Um, uh, my, my then girlfriend was at work and she texted me said, oh, welcome home. I've got a, an Ocado order coming. So can you just make sure that you let in the Ocado guy? And I was, I was freaking out. I was so asleep. I was so jittery. I was like, I've, I've got to stay awake for the order. It seems so important <laughs> to me. So I thought I would put on that new Oneida album. Um, and I, th- I think I made it as far as you've got to look into the, and then just completely conked out. And then I woke to my phone with like seven missed calls and like a cardo guy banging on the window. And the CD that I thought, oh no, my CD's broken. It's skipping, endlessly skipping. And it had seeped into my brain. Listener, the CD is not skipping. No, the no, CD it's not. does not skip. And it just, I think while I was in that, that sleep that was deeper than any coma could ever be, mm. um, it just, I don't know, man, it, it changed, my, upon you. changed my DNA. And mm. this song, I am the song now. <laughs> I am a vessel for the song. I am Sheets of Easter. Yeah. So anyone listening, if you only listen to one song from this, this episode, please seek out Sheets of Easter. If you feel like you've got the idea after a minute, you're right, but you're also wrong. Mm. You have got the idea after about a minute, but you won't you won't know until you get to the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's it's quite a masterpiece. It's also everything that I love about music. Well, not everything, but I like feeling uncomfortable, and I can just envision the the theatre at the end of this film and people watching the credits and then sitting, you know, still for a bit and being like, is is this stuck? Is it? But then continuing to sit because you do, you wait and see if there's an Easter egg at the end of the credits. And I love that they hopefully don't get rewarded by the Easter egg, but they do sit through this whole song. Oh, there's going to be a Sheets of Easter egg. Um, <laughs> the Sheets of Easter egg is after the whole of the funeral's gone out. I creep up from the coffin and go, are they all gone? <laughs> and then I run into the back and just, I don't know, start juggling knives again or something. <laughs> Perfect. Todd, thank you so much for that wonderful, wonderful uh, official soundtrack to your life. Um, I'm going to recap the scenes and the songs now and then I'm going to ask you how you feel about it. Okay. So opening credits, Oneida, The Adversary. Your coming-of-age track is Frank Zappa's Stinkfoot. First Love, X Models, se- Sex auto- auto- <laughs> Automata. Automata. I want to say Automatica. Yeah, no, but no, But I no. cannot. You cannotica. Moment of Despair. Lingua Ignota's Pennsylvania Furnace. Your euphoria moment is Matt and Kim, Daylight. Your funeral song is Tom Waits, You Can Never Hold Back Spring. And your closing credits, Oneida, Sheets of Easter. What do you think hearing that back? It's a pretty good selection of, of music. I've, I've, I think it's a great selection of songs, not necessarily the most interesting film. It's a film about a, a boy that rides in a car who becomes a man that goes to a gig, who then <laughs> wanders around eating fish and chips and then gets married. And then there's some excitement at the end with knives. I mean, I would watch that. Okay. I think, it's, I, think I would watch that. Well, good. I'm glad. 
And let's let's hope I get the ending that that will entertain you. So you can listen to Todd Jordan's playlist by hitting the link in the description and it will take you to a Spotify playlist where you can listen to all of these amazing songs. Thank you so much, Todd. Thank you so much for having me, Steph. Uh, Looking forward to listening to more episodes from the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of A Soundtrack Odyssey. I had loads of fun recording it with Todd. And what a playlist he chose. I've definitely discovered some new favourites in the songs, the noisy experimental stuff from X Models and Oneida, and then the jazzy funky stuff from Tom Waits and Frank Zappa. And then of course, the saddest song I think I've ever heard, but also the most beautiful from Lingoa Ignota. I love all of that circularity that he created, the connections and the threads between the artists and the songs. And then of course, I loved his iconic death scene. Also, did anyone else notice that when his nemesis comes to his funeral, he says, a worthy adversary? Seeing as the first song on his soundtrack is The Adversary by Oneida, I found this particularly pleasing when I listened to it back. You can find everything Todd related in the description. The link to his official soundtrack album, a link to his horror-inspired band, Archimago, and also the band that he mentions a few times that he's in with his wife Carla and also with his mate that he's got the funeral song packed with, Rich. They're called Negative Pegasus and you should definitely check them out. A huge thank you to Todd for being such a brilliant guest and to you for listening. I'll catch you next time.